Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite clear aligners are doctor directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is SiriusXM Progress. Good evening and welcome. We are live from Los Angeles at the beautiful panoramic splendor of the SiriusXM West Coast Studios. I'm John Fugelsang. Russ is here helping me out in the studio. Good to see you again, sir. Thank you very much. I know you went to a lot of trouble with that restraining order, but there was no one else. You're stuck with me. Uh, Chris Houseelt produces our show out of New York City. Thea Harper's producer. I'm sorry. Chris Houseelt does it out of the Confederacy, out of the beautiful state of South Carolina. And what's the deal with South Carolina, folks? Can we just for a second? I mean, if Lindsey Graham and Tim Scott are the best choices South Carolina has for the Senate, the wrong states are legalizing weed. That's all I'm saying. Thea Harper produces our show out of Brooklyn, and we have a great one tonight. It's so good to be back in the Los Angeles studios. Obviously, I'm here because we have a big show coming up on a Saturday night at the Saban Theater in Beverly Hills. It is the only 2023 date for the Stephanie Miller Sexy Liberal Comedy Tour featuring Stephanie and myself uh, with Hal Sparks and Frangela and our special guests. If you can't make it to the actual show, I understand you don't all live in the California area. You can see it on pay-per-view. It's going to be live streamed to the special guests that we can announce. Rob Reiner will be part of the show for the panel segment. See, it works. The comedians come out. We do our thing. We tell our jokes. Great month for topical comedy, by the way. Just pointing that out. And then uh, we have the panel, which will feature uh, Rob Reiner and Glenn Kirshner, friend of the show, wonderful MSNBC legal analyst, and Mr. Ron Perlman, star of Hellboy, one of our favorite guests on this show, star of the picket lines, one of the most fearless picketers calling out the Hollywood studio system and a guy who's been in every movie ever made. And we can now announce uh, our good friend Malcolm Nance will be joining us as well. This is an alpha liberal lineup, folks. <laughs> this is a not fuck around liberal show. This is not the kumbaya liberal jamboree. You don't want to miss it. You can go to sexyliberal.com or you can go to a meathook.com slash live. That is M-E-E-T-H-O-O-K. Please don't go to M-E-A-T-H-O-O-K. It's a... Uh, 
It's a profoundly different audience is all I'm going to say. Well, not that, maybe not that different at all, but not what you're looking for. Believe me. So please, please uh, come and join us and be part of the party this coming Saturday. I'm so thrilled to be back here in the West Coast. We'll be having some of our favorite West Coast comedians and friends joining us throughout the week. Folks, it's been a crazy couple of days. Joe Biden is going to Israel. Three more Alabama hospitals are closing their maternity units, citing financial costs, because Alabama has one of the highest maternal and infant mortality rates in the country. The judge overseeing Trump's federal 2020 election interference case has imposed a limited gag order on him. We'll be talking all about that. And a six-year-old Palestinian-American boy is dead, and his mother is in critical condition. After their landlord obsessed with Fox News and right-wing media and fearful of the conflict that is raging throughout Israel, stabbed them in their home in Illinois. That happened here this weekend. And God bless Suzanne Summers, who we lost yesterday at the age of 76. Today is her birthday. She should be here turning 77. Tonight on the show, we're joined by, man, we got a murderer's row of smart and funny people. Professor Corey Brettschneider will be here. Rhonda Handsome will be here in hour number two. Hour number three, we're live in studio with Dr. Tracy Pearson and comedian Mona Shake. And of course, we'll be counting down the big show this week. I'm doing like every radio show in in, in progressive world this week. You can see me. Uh, today I did Michelangelo. I'll also be appearing this week on Dino Badala, on Stephanie Miller, on Tom Hartman, on KPFK here in Los Angeles. And I'm doing some big show in uh, Minneapolis as well. So um, good luck getting away from me pushing the big party show this weekend. Let's get to it. Let's uh, Let's do a show. It's been interesting trying to walk the line when talking about Israel and Palestine. It's a bit of a challenge, not as hard as as some people think, but we're in a time now when people are ending friendships over this. It's really only the third time I've seen that happen this century. I mean, the Iraq war, people ended friendships. Donald Trump happened a lot. And now the Hamas and Israel conflict. I don't want to say Palestine, because I've never been more convinced that Hamas does not care about the people of Palestine and does not speak for the people of Palestine. If they cared about the people of Palestine, they would release the hostages now. They don't. So we're going to continue walking the line and reminding you that criticizing Hamas doesn't mean you hate Palestinians. Criticizing the corrupt Netanyahu regime doesn't mean you hate the Israeli people or Jews. And criticizing the Trump administration doesn't mean you hate gullible racists, okay? Please don't identify too strongly. uh, I'm on the side. They keep asking, what side are you on? I'm I'm on the side of anybody who's trying to solve these conflicts nonviolently. I'm on the side of anyone who wants a world where, without violence, both the people of Palestine and the people of Israel can have freedom and peace and security, with America guarding both, if need be. I'm not on the side of wartime consulieries like Hamas and Netanyahu who need each other to stay in power. Never forget, Netanyahu told his own party in 2019 they had to support Hamas because that was the best chance. If terrorists are running Palestine, there'll never be hope for a Palestinian state. The guy who said he's kept you safe for 20 years propped these terrorists up. It's not black and white. America supports Israel and America should support Israel at this time, but it doesn't mean we have to abandon our humanity and be like Lindsey Graham calling for essentially the ethnic cleansing of the entire region. Marco Rubio calling for the eradication. These people are talking about mass slaughter. 
After days of pressure from human rights groups and foreign leaders, the IDF restored fresh water service to Gaza on Saturday. Thank you for not having a cholera outbreak. Hamas leadership released a video promising the unconditional release of the foreign national hostages. Once the hostilities cease, not good enough, douchebags. Release them all right now. Israel is preparing an air, sea, and land invasion of Gaza that is aimed at destroying Hamas after the terrorism attack with street-by-street fighting. It will produce massive casualties. Hamas, you evil motherfuckers, if you care about your homeland, if you care about a Palestinian state that controls its own borders, if you care about your children, your wives, your grandparents, surrender and release the hostages now. This is not making Palestine safer. Hamas must be eliminated. But an Israeli occupation of Gaza would be a big mistake. That's what Joe Biden said last night in an interview with Scott Pelley on 60 Minutes. Biden said there needs to be a path to a Palestinian state. And Hamas and the extreme elements of Hamas don't represent all the American people. Bill Clinton tried. Even George W. Bush kind of tried. He put pressure on Ariel Sharon to pull troops out of the occupied territories. Can Biden do it? On 60 Minutes, here he is last night telling Scott Pelley he sees strong parallels to the Holocaust and the Hamas attack on Israeli citizens of October 7th. The Jews have been subject to abuse, prejudice, and attempt to wipe them out for over a thousand years. For me, it's about decency, respect, honor. It's just just simply wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. It violates every religious principle I have in every way and every single principle my father taught me. How is it not like the Holocaust? Fair question. Because I'm going to bend over backwards on this show to be fair, and I beg you guys to correct me if I'm wrong. In the Holocaust in Germany, Jews were an oppressed minority, oppressed by a majority population. In the situation in Palestine, Jews are not the oppressed minority. They are the majority. However, like the Nazis, Hamas wants to exterminate the Jews. Okay? I'm not talking about the Palestinian people. I'm talking about Hamas. They also want to exterminate Christians as well. You know... <laughs> I'm waiting for the right-wing people to realize that Hamas is far more right-wing and Israel is far more liberal. I mean, for all the human rights abuses, and we can talk about them all day, and for all the thuggery of the Netanyahu regime, don't forget, Israel is ahead of us on women in combat, equal rights for women, rights for LGBT people. Abortions are legal and free in Israel. Israel has socialized health care. You can pick which public option you want. Israel is incredibly more liberal than the U.S. in many regards. Palestine, well, I'm rooting for the people. But when you have that much ignorance and injustice, do not be surprised whether it's the American South with the KKK or the Middle East. Charismatic terrorists show up. Scott Pelley asked Joe Biden whether the threat of terrorism in the U.S. has increased because of the Middle East fighting. And Biden said, yeah. He said he just had a meeting in the Situation Room with the FBI and Homeland Security officials to discuss how to make sure that we prevent a lone wolf and or any coordinated effort to try to do what was done in synagogues before. Do what was done to Jews in the street. We're making major effort to make sure that doesn't happen. And here, Joe Biden calls a renewed occupation of Gaza by Israel as a major error that should be avoided. I think it'd be a big mistake. Look, what happened in Gaza, in my view, is Hamas and the extreme elements of Hamas don't represent all the Palestinian people. 
And uh, I think that uh, it would be a mistake to, uh, for Israel to occupy Gaza again. We did, but to going in and taking out the extremists, the uh, Hezbollah is up north, but Hamas down south is a necessary requirement. Meanwhile, Michael Herzog, the Israeli ambassador to the U.S., said on CNN, we have no desire to occupy or reoccupy Gaza. We have no desire to rule over the lives of two million Palestinians, and certainly we want people to go back to their homes. A rare moment of comforting talk from a politician this weekend. Now, now here's some news that the American media is not covering. There is a poll by the Jerusalem Post. Uh, it's a dialogue center poll. And the vast majority of Israelis, 94%, are saying that their current government bears some responsibility for allowing this attack to occur. More than three quarters, this is the Jerusalem Post, not me, more than three quarters believe the Netanyahu regime bears most of the responsibility. I I don't agree with that. I I think Hamas deserves most of the responsibility, but I get where they're going with it. Uh, 56% of Israelis believe Netanyahu should resign at the end of Israel's war with Hamas. And many analysts think that one of Netanyahu's motives in seeking the court reform is to, you know, protect himself from prosecution in the ongoing corruption case. Many Israelis are worried that his plan to weaken the country's Supreme Court would undermine the rule of law and the rights of secular Israelis and Palestinians and other minorities. Don't forget, it was this year that we saw the largest and the most sustained street protests against the government in that country's history. But one area where this is proving to be like 9-11... I mean, not to be like 9-11, I should say, is that usually when these sort of things happen, people rally around their leader. But huge majorities of the public are blaming Netanyahu and his far-right government for the security lapses. This is a guy who said for 20 years, only I can keep you safe. I'm keeping you safe. And he propped up Hamas. And now people are pissed off. Have you gone on the news, on the YouTubes, and seen these videos of grieving Israeli folks in hospitals who are wounded? totally telling off cabinet ministers who are visiting the main hospital. A lot of cabinet ministers are showing up at hospitals with camera crews in tow, of course, and they're getting told off in the corridors. And these videos are all over. I don't speak Hebrew, but you'll see the translations. And these viral protests show things polls don't show, that anger at Netanyahu is not just among young people and the political left anymore. This executive at Nestle, Sherelle Hogeg, he lives in Ofakim. He was confronting Nir Barkat, Israel's minister of the economy and industry last week. And it's stunning. He's screaming out, seek forgiveness from all of us and then tear your shirts, rending one's clothing as a sign of mourning. You have torn a very deep divide into this entire nation. I'm really ready to see him. Palestinians telling off Hamas officials, by the way, the Israeli death toll from Hamas's terrorism is now over 1300 people, mostly civilians. That's a big difference from the Yom Kippur War 50 years ago they're comparing this to. That was when the militaries of Syria and Egypt took the Jewish state by surprise, but that was mostly Israeli soldiers. These scumbags went after civilians. And now the country is in the grips of this cold civil war over the fate of its judiciary. Meanwhile, as I mentioned earlier, back here, closer to home, a six-year-old boy and his mother were stabbed by their landlord who watches a lot of Fox News in an anti-Muslim hate crime this week in Illinois. The mother's going to live. The six-year-old child was murdered. They were targeted because they were Muslim and because of the conflict in the Middle East. Joe Biden said he was sickened to learn of this brutal murder. This horrific act of hate has no place in America. Hate to tell you, Mr. President, um, America has always been a home for horrific acts of hate. 
This was a lynching because of this boy's ethnicity. This landlord was arrested. His name is Joseph Shuba. He's 71, charged with first-degree murder, attempted first-degree murder, two counts of a hate crime, and aggravated battery with a deadly weapon. The DOJ has opened a federal hate crime investigation, but the kid's dead, six years old, stabbed to death because he was Muslim. And because of this conflict, and because this douchebag watches Fox News, this family is Palestinian. And as the White House said, they came to America seeking what we all seek, a refuge to live, learn, and pray in peace. And Palestinians in Gaza are crowding into the hospitals and schools. They're running low on food. They've been running low on water. Over a million people have fled their homes because they're getting ready for the ground invasion. All eyes this morning were on the crossing between Gaza and Egypt, where there are mediators from the U.S. trying to reach a deal for some kind of ceasefire that would allow aid in and allow people to exit Gaza. And now we know Joe Biden will travel to Israel on Wednesday in what's probably going to be a very impressive show of solidarity with a nation that is still reeling from this deadly attack. I am on the side of anyone trying to solve these things nonviolently. I'm on the side of anyone trying to deliver peace and security for the Palestinian and Israeli people. There's too many douchebags on all sides here. And the worst people in the world, including the Saudi royal family, including Vladimir Putin, are very happy about this. This White House has been working on a peace deal between Saudi Arabia and Israel. And now it looks like Saudi Arabia is going to tear up the deal, which is exactly what Hamas wants. Hamas's goal is the same as Osama bin Laden's after 9-11. A massive catastrophic loss of life that will lead to a disproportionate and brutal reprisal that will make the attacked country lose all of its goodwill and pull tons of other people from the region into a worldwide conflict. And they don't give a fuck what that leads to. It's all just how can we use chaos as a ladder? Sort of like our Congress. But we'll get to that in a few minutes. We're at 866-997-4748-866-997. Grit. Let's go to the phone, shall we? Sean and Callie, thank you very much for waiting. You're on progress. Well, hey, John, you know, <laughs> I, I am, uh, it's really hard to even talk about this stuff. You know, at my age, uh, I'm not that old. I mean, I'm, I consider myself young, but at 56, this thing repeats itself over and over again, rinse and repeat. It happens and happens and happens. And, and it really, it's a, sign, it's a symptom of a broken system. Now, I was so glad you used ethnicity because, uh, you know, race and ethnicity are two different things. And, and that's really what this is about. But the thing that bothers me the most over all these years, the same thing that is it happens and in the, in the two it'll, people will take sides is the dehumanization of people. Yes, we need to keep our humanity because kids are kids and, and women and innocent people are women and innocent people and even innocent men, <laughs> you know. But my point is the dehumanization is because that's what they're doing. Hamas is a terrorist group. Anyone who commits these kinds of uh, acts, yes. But, you know, throughout our history, as at my age, I I've seen violence from so many different places and so many people dying and so many people's lives ruined that, you know what? I mean, let's not, let's not, you know, pat ourselves on the back saying these people are so bad because they commit this kind of violence. Right. When you're killing children, 
or killing anyone innocent who has nothing to do with it because the system is broken, don't go have righteous indignation and, and say, you know, Egypt should take all these people. How about yeah. America should take in these people from the Gaza Strip? How about that? How, about, how, how, about, how about just let these people have their own borders and let them be their own country and let them have their own utilities and be in control of themselves and let them rise or fall as they do? How about let them start opening up for foreign investment as an emerging Hello. enterprise zone for uh, for factories to be built? How about letting Gaza try to turn itself into, I mean, letting Palestine try to turn itself into a tourist economy or what have you? How about just letting them have their land and come and go and have control of their own borders? And if they ever fuck with Israel again, they'll deal with the U.S. It's pretty simple. Well, I, I think that's, you know, once again, there's no will to let people have a quality of life where their ancestry is from. And, and that's all it is. I mean, this is, you know, an argument about land and who was here first. And then you add religion to it. You're, yes, sir. I love the way you... Uh, well, you uh, add right-wing religion to it. Add, you add right-wing extreme yes. conservative religion to it. Because, again, I'm going to say this a million times. The liberal and moderate, the liberal and moderate Jews, Muslims, and Christians are getting along just fine right now. Oh, absolutely. And, and you see, that's this is the thing that no one wants anyone to know. War is a racket. We all know that, or we should know. I know people listening to the show know it. And, and then my cynicism tells me, you always want to keep a face on the enemy. That's an old sure. uh, military strategy. And the reason why that's a strategy, I don't want to be flipping about it. Uh, keeping the face on the enemy is so you keep the morale up with people yeah. who want to fight against other people. Yeah. That's yeah, all but there's it no, is. There's, and yet there's no figurehead. I mean, for years they had, you know, Arafat for the PLO. There is no figure that has identified with Hamas. Sean, I thank you very much for the call. This just in from John Hudson of the Washington Post. Joe Biden's trip to Israel was intentionally not announced until the U.S. got commitments from Netanyahu on a humanitarian package. Once Blinken got the assurances, he made the announcement in Tel Aviv. Let's hope this leads to something good. We'll be right back in a moment with Professor Corey Brett-Schneider and your calls on SiriusXM Progress. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. 
everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on. Because you know I love it when you do. As you've probably heard by now, the federal judge has barred Donald Trump from attacking witnesses, prosecutors, even court staff. He can't even attack the court staff anymore. This is in the D.C. criminal case, the first Jack Smith case. It's a gag order that is going to really raise the tension between Donald Trump's campaign and Donald Trump's life as a perp. Judge Tanya Chutkin said First Amendment protections yield to the administration of justice and to the protection of witnesses. His presidential candidacy does not give him carte blanche to vilify public servants who are simply doing their job. As you might suspect, Donald Trump has been fundraising off of this ever since. He's really riling up the base with the same campaign playbook, selling himself as the victim. Marie in Atlanta, welcome. You're on SiriusXM. Hey, John. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Um, just to add on to what you we were saying about Judge Chuckin, this is a ruling from the bench. And rulings from the bench are, in theory, um, the parties are supposed to play by whatever the rules of that ruling are, at least at a de minimis level. But once it's in writing, then you really have the, you know, the the real meat of what you're dealing with. And, you know, as with any other type of, of ruling, the devil's in the details. So until it's reduced to writing, you know, some things may shift a little bit. Um, the mm-hmm. choice in words can, you know, make very nuanced differences. I, I have to say, in listening to your show opening, John, we as a country have lost the ability to grasp nuance yeah the nuance I know. of hamas nothing new there palestinians nothing I mean, new and, there and so, counselor <laughs> remember the iraq yeah, war so, I mean, that's when we learned oh nuance God. was french oh oh exactly so again just just wanted to kind of add on that that until the ruling is in writing until the judge has made those you know, language choices. Yes. You know, it's it's still a somewhat fluid situation. Let me ask you about that, though, because sure. it was a rather narrow ruling from Judge Tanya mm-hmm. Chutkin. She knows he's on campaigning. She knows the kind of guy he is. The rule only bars Trump from publicly attacking witnesses, prosecutors or court staff. Right. I mean, it's 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 a narrow gag order. I've heard that term all day. What would what would a broad mm-hmm. gag order be? He can't attack anybody. A broad gag order would be he can't talk about the case publicly, can't talk about any witnesses, can't talk about the evidence. She didn't say any of those things. It's it's not like he can't say, yeah, they're claiming I did X and, you know, they're going to put up a bunch of lying witnesses. Right. That's not mentioning a name. That's criticizing the evidence that is to come. You know, right. it's it, right. And and that, by virtue of this narrow ruling, and I, and I agree, it is fairly narrow. He didn't even, the ruling announced from the bench doesn't even preclude him from saying anything about the judge. That's right. Wow. So, so you know, she didn't, so he's allowed she to didn't do that. exempt herself. <laughs> yeah. 
Right on. So, right you on. know, I, I do think it's I do think it's na- narrowly tailored and a much broader a much broader ruling would have really would have locked him down. Um, not that that doesn't happen to other defendants in criminal cases, but I think it would have fed his desire to be able to drive any claim he can into the appellate courts and up to the Supreme Court where he and I'm not sure he doesn't have a reason to believe it, where he believes that he's protected. (laughs) Yeah, he he might be right about that. Marie, thank you Mm -hmm. so much for classing up my show. It's always a pleasure when you call in. We're we're not worthy. We're we're riffraff here. And you are you are a real (laughs) lady. Thank you. Have a great evening. Let me go now to Professor Corey Brechneider. We are always thrilled when Corey returns our calls, even more thrilled when he agrees to come on the show. You guys probably know Professor Brechneider. He is the superstar political science professor at Brown University. He is the author of The Oath and the Office, the essential book about how our presidency works. And check out his Penguin series books on impeachment and the trials of uh, the cases, rather, of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Professor Brechneider, it is always a great pleasure to begin our week with you. Welcome back. Uh, thanks, John. Looking forward to the conversation. Of course, lots to talk about. I just found out that a, a, a broad gag order isn't when you pay the escort to do S and M stuff. So I just learned that. <laughs> um, but you know, I want to I want to begin by it because the, Judge Shutkin said his presidential candidacy does not give him carte blanche to vilify public servants who are simply doing their job. She said she was deeply disturbed by the way he targeted that clerk in the civil fraud trial in New York. But she emphasized today she will not delay the March fourth trial date. And she said that Trump will be sanctioned if he violates her order. That's really the tricky part, isn't it? Uh, yes. I mean, I'd say there are two dimensions. I mean, to me, it's less tricky if you view it just through the lens of a straight legal case. And, of course, in theory, a former president shouldn't be above the law. But we live in reality. And this former president is running for reelection. And so uh, there are real questions about, first, the perception of politicization of the judiciary, I guess I would say, Uh, not just fears of sort of, you know, irrational accusations, but but I think, you know, people will see see any harsh sanction as uh, as a a sort of clampdown on the political process. So that so you just got to worry about the perception there. And I guess when it comes to the First Amendment, I'd say, I mean, I'm less worried than some people are, you know, especially given the narrowness of the way this is crafted. You cannot, as a criminal defendant, uh, cast aspersions on the prosecutor, on the judge, you know. And I think that this is just an attempt to, to get the most basic kind of procedural guarantees that the defendant isn't, isn't threatening, really. Uh, the prosecution team uh, out there. And Trump hasn't has gone so far over the line. These aren't hard calls when it comes to the First Amendment. So, you know, one question was, would it be crafted so broadly that that the judge would be open to the charge that this was uh, uh, an attempt to bring politics into it? But I think that's been avoided by the the narrowness of the language. Uh, Of course, there's also the argument and worry about the about the jury pool. And so that's part of it, too. Yeah. I mean, he'll I mean, my God, the jury pool. But, you know, in the last couple of months, Donald Trump has attacked Judge Shutkin publicly by name, Mm -hmm. calling her Trump hating, calling her biased. The day after his arraignment, he announced publicly, if you go after me, I'm coming after you. Uh, He's called special counsel Jack Smith, the prosecutor deranged and a (laughs) thug. 
And yep. Judge Chicken said, when you start using a word like thug to describe a prosecutor doing their job, that wouldn't be allowed by any other criminal defendant. Just because the defendant is running a political campaign does not allow him to do whatever he wants. So this might shock some of our some of our listeners, but uh, Donald Trump violated this right away, <laughs> like right yeah. like hours later. He was speaking in Iowa. And he made these comments and called her uh, totally unconstitutional and said that her whole life is not liking me. I mean, <laughs> my, my question is, I, we, we should expect him to play victim. We should expect him to lie and we should expect him to fundraise off of this. But should we expect anyone to enforce it? I mean, who's going to revoke this guy's bail, Professor? I mean, you know, that that is, I think, the place to start with just a response to his claim that there's some sort of First Amendment question here. Uh, if he was in prison, he would have none of these free speech rights that he's uh, claiming at all. And so I think the fact that we could see that as the ultimate place, that the, that the that bail could be revoked, that he could be, at least in theory, in prison, that suggests why a more limited gag order is you know, completely within the bounds of the First Amendment. This is not any ordinary person. It's somebody facing trial. And I think, as the judge might have said, or I've seen this, comment several times that, you know, the First Amendment is not the same inside the courthouse as it is outside. And really, he's inside the courthouse he's in the middle of these proceedings. And so his rights are much more limited. On the question of whether or not I could see bail being revoked, I mean, there are a lot of interim steps. I think that they would try sanctions first. Um, you know, I wonder, if, um, you know, or the, 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 you know, the sanctions on the lawyers, sanctions on Trump himself, the financial sanctions, for instance, that might be enough to get him to back off a little. But, you know, if he's fully defiant, which I think he probably won't be, uh, you know, he's confrontational, but, um, you know, at this point, it's really a game of chicken. I, I think there might be a point, you know, for instance, if he really does threaten the life, say, of Jack Smith, or right. the life of right. this judge, what choice is there? I mean, at some point, he has to be imprisoned. And yes, he'll react to that by revving up his supporters. But in the end of the day, this is a criminal proceeding and there are ways of controlling a recalcitrant criminal defendant. So I think she'll try everything to avoid that, of course. But the the path that we're walking down, that, that is one eventuality if he is if he is that aggressive. You know, I like this conversation if it's a way to talk about the First Amendment rights of prisoners in this country, because mm -hmm. on a civic level, we don't really talk about that too much. And, and do prisoners actually have rights of free speech? I mean, do you think that this can speak to a much broader issue? I mean, I love that idea that, you know, we could do something good with the crazy arguments that he's making. So he's saying, you know, that, that the gag order is a violation of his First Amendment rights, that's completely wrong. It would be a violation if they said, you know, I couldn't say anything about the prosecution, which she didn't. She said, look, if you want to say it's politically motivated, that's one thing. It's when you're going after the prosecutor, going after, you know, legal officials involved in the proceeding, that's where I'm going to stop you and sanction you. No question she can do that. And then, as I've mentioned, if he was in prison, he, he would have virtually no First Amendment free speech rights. But Trump supporters rightly would say, I mean, is that right? Just because you're in prison, should you not be able to say what you think? And to me, yeah. I think, yes, that's an issue that we should all bipartisan. We should all be on board with, not just when it comes to a former president, but that when it comes to any prisoners. And the Supreme Court in a case called Turner versus Safley really 
drastically limited the free speech rights of prisoners. And what it says is, look, the warden knows best that if you're in prison, that the prisoner, the pr- way the prisons run, there are such security issues that there really is virtually no free speech in prison. You know, there's a little bit if you could show that it's completely unreasonable, the restrictions that a warden has placed on prisoners, you know, but certainly nothing like outside the prison walls. And if Trump supporters are saying, hey, that's a violation of what it means to be an American, I think, okay, (laughs) let's talk about that, that people facing trial who are, you know, have no bail or can't afford it uh, or even have been convicted if they want to be part of the society and communicate, they should have the right to do that. And uh, they don't have a right to threaten people. I think nobody would suggest that. But but should they have the right to say what they think about issues of public policy, issues of public policy, too? that impact them in prison and their lives in which we could actually learn from those who are incarcerated. I think, you know, mm-hmm. more power to us if we could see it that way. Of course, we're talking about Trump, 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 and and the sort of perspective of his supporters is all about him. But uh, yeah. maybe there's a way to parlay that into, into, into this wider issue about prisoners' rights and the rights of the accused. Well, you'll be happy to know that Trump has been fundraising off this nonstop and lying about it. Uh, One of his campaign spokespeople said today's decision is an absolute abomination and another partisan knife stuck in the heart of our democracy by crooked Joe Biden. This is funny for many reasons. First of all, that he's taken Hillary's nickname and recycled it for Biden. Secondly, that Donald (laughs) Trump gives what we call a goddamn about democracy at all. But Professor, the gag order, I mean, again, Trump's saying he's targeted for political reasons. This gag order does not prevent him from attacking Joe Biden or attacking the Department of Justice, right? Like he he still has the free speech to attack the people and lie about people who aren't the ones going after him. Yeah, I'd say that the judge was generous and really asserting, you know, a vast array of rights. There's been generosity in not having him having his bail revoked, given how he's behaved. By the way, in the Sam Bankman-Fried trial, there's an analogy in that he was out on bail and abused that privilege and went on the Internet and gave interviews and threatened witnesses. And guess what? He's now behind bars. And Trump, you know, in many ways, if he was just an average citizen, would be treated like Sam Bankman-Fried, and this, of course, is the FDX founder who's facing criminal prosecution yeah. in, in, in New York. Uh, but he's not. So this judge is going out of her way. I do think in some ways this whole episode is a kind of microcosm of uh, the, the reason for, for the trial. The January 6th events are all about taking democracy and the threat of insurrection, the threat of force, the threat of violence. And really what this judge is saying is, yes, you have a democratic right of free speech, but that stops when you start threatening people. And uh, that's what January mm-hmm. 6th was about. Did he have a right to say, uh, exactly. you know, I, 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 you know, I want even I won the election or the system's unfair or rigged. He can yeah. say that. He had a right to lie about it. Institute a coup. (laughs) Exactly. He had every right to lie about it as much as he wanted. When you try to get the vice president to stop counting the votes, that's when the First Amendment goes in the backseat. And, you know, yeah. And Uh, I'd add when you send your supporters in violently to the Capitol to stop the voting, that is, uh, you know, a threat, that that kind of incitement. And and that's what she's doing here, trying to teach him that difference, which, of course, he doesn't know. He thinks he can say, he can do whatever he wants and say whatever he wants. Well, and the judge said, this is not about whether I like the language Mr. Trump uses. This is about language that presents a danger to the administration of justice. His presidential candidacy does not give him carte blanche to vilify public servants who are simply doing their jobs. So Trump gave this speech in the rally in Iowa today where he said, 
What they don't understand is that I am willing to go to jail if that's what it takes for our country to win and become a democracy again. This is terrifying <laughs> for several reasons, not the least of which because he's pretending he likes democracy. If Donald Trump went to jail, I cannot imagine, even if it was just for a weekend, I can't imagine a better fundraising bonanza for the man. There are people alive who would be dead because someone would kill them because Donald Trump went to jail. And that's why I am loath to see which of these judges is going to be the one to actually revoke bail and send him away for a couple of weekends, because I, I literally don't think he has the imp maybe he has the impulse control to, to, to not smear his mm. prosecutors. But I I think he knows that they're going to be too afraid to do it and he will continue to violate this gag order. I mean, the problem, they're in a bind. I mean, on the one hand, they see what you're saying. I mean, putting him in prison would be unprecedented. It would possibly stoke violence, and you want to avoid it at all costs. But at some point, to have credibility as a judge, if you issue this gag order and she refuses to enforce it, uh, I think the, the consequences on the other side are, are worse from her per point of view because she's going to lose control over the courtroom. So that's why I say, I mean, you know, at some point there really isn't a choice. I think she, she just has to do it. Now, you know, hopefully he doesn't push the line that much. But the more he, he continues to act as he has, uh, I mean, you know, sanctions again. Uh, but at some point those are going to run out, too. And she'll have to revoke bail, I think. I mean, that, you Amazing. know, of course, now we're in in the stuff of, of um, you know, political thrillers, but... but wow, anyone who's... And we've been here before, ever... let's remember, too, yeah. this person tried to... The reason he's on trial is that he tried to stoke an insurrection. So, you know, when we talk about unprecedented, that, that's what we're dealing with here. Somebody has no regard <laughs> for democratic norms at all. It's. Just, I think anyone who's ever raised a toddler can sympathize with this judge. Right. Um, you know, at what point does right. punishment become too severe? Corey, I want to I ask you about something. At the top of the show, I mentioned this poll that was reported in the Jerusalem Post that mm. one of the major differences between this horrific terrorist attack by Hamas on Israel and 9-11, one of the differences, there's many similarities, but one difference is everyone rallied behind the American president after. It mm -hmm. was kind of in a creepy way. Uh, that is not happening mm -hmm. in Israel. Now, I mean, we, we forget it was just a few months ago we saw the largest and most sustained protests against this prime minister in Israel's history. Jerusalem Post reports this poll today that four out of five Jewish Israelis believe the government and Netanyahu are to blame for the mass infiltration of Hamas terrorists into Israel. You mentioned this just last week. Right. And when we were talking about it, my, my the way I put it was that, you know, Netanyahu has been revealed as a fraud for saying that what he's been demanding these autocratic powers for, and that's what the protests were about, were pushing back on his attempt to shut down the judiciary and to really claim close to dictatorial powers as prime minister. Uh, those were democratic protests in defense of the rule of law and in defense of the judiciary. What's his justification for wanting that kind of autocratic power? Like any autocrat, he says it's about security and that the court is threatening, but threatening security by protecting the rights of Palestinians, among other things. And I think, you know, what I was arguing last week is that it looks like he's been revealed to be a fraud because this is the greatest security failure, certainly since the Yom Kippur War, um, um, possibly ever. Uh, well, in, yeah, Yom Kippur in, War was just service. It was just the military. Yeah. I mean, it was just servicemen yeah. who were killed, not civilians on this scale. Correct. Yeah. Sorry to cut and you off. Yes. And there was a complete failure here to identify the threat. And it looks like it's because he was distracted. Uh, by his attempt and his war on domestic institutions like the judiciary and consumed with the protests. Uh, so my hope was last week that he'll be revealed 
for that thought that that he promised security and didn't provide it. And boy, I, not only when I saw that poll that I think uh, that view is vindicated, but it's vindicated with numbers that I, I couldn't have predicted because obviously, when it's that many Israelis seeing this as his fault, it's it's his core supporters, core, core uh, conservatives who are really saying that. And, um, you know, the, the protests have ended, and that was one fear that that suggested that there wasn't going to be a continual challenge to Netanyahu. But I think it's just under the surface that the country is reeling, of course, from this terrible tragedy. And this unity government is trying to get the country back on its feet. But, but yeah. I, I don't think that the opposition to Netanyahu has disappeared at all. And of course, the opposition to Netanyahu is so important if there's going to be any chance at, at peace with the Palestinians of any kind rather than pure domination. And so there's so much at stake, I think, in getting rid of this really terrible uh, prime minister, the worst, in my opinion, in Israeli history. And, and that poll yeah. gives me hope that, yes, that, that is right beneath you know, the, the, what we're seeing on the surface. Yeah, me too. He did not keep them safe. You know, Corey, one last uh, point here. One of the similarities to 9-11 was Bush was warned. I, I don't expect Netanyahu to be in charge yeah. of security. I mean, this got by American security. This got by Israeli security. But Egypt warned them the week before. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently there were, you know, no efforts taken to increase any security. Yeah. And, you know, I would say that, too, about the Bush-Cheney team, that there was such talk of, security, but there was also real incompetence in that administration. Look at yeah. the, I mean, apart from the injustice of the Iraq war, the, the failure of the way that it was run, the fact that there were, were literally kids right out of college running major cities in Iraq afterwards. These were not people who knew how to govern in the Bush administration. Oh, so true. And that turns out to be true of Netanyahu, too, that he just doesn't uh, really care about or know about how to provide the most basic needs of the Israeli citizens. Your point about how we did rally around as a country Bush, but we're hoping and thinking that's not going to happen with Netanyahu is interesting. I have one quick thought about it, which is, you know, Netanyahu is not the president of Israel. There's something about the American presidency that Mm -hmm. personifies the country. And that's not true of Netanyahu. He's not regarded as a head of state. There's a largely symbolic president of Israel. And He's not it. And so I think that might help. It's like he's got a job to do that he failed to do. And and Israeli citizens, I hope, will see that 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 requires getting rid of him. Amen. And here's where I point out that the majority of Americans voted against George W. Bush and there were no Mm. WMDs in Iraq. Professor Brett Mm. Schneider, it's always an honor to have you with us. I love starting the week off this way. What's the best way for our listeners to follow you? We've got a new book coming out. It's called The Presidents and the People. And uh, check it out. It will be uh, online, Barnes & Nobles, any online store. Cannot wait. Thank you, Corey. Have a great week. We'll see you soon. And we'll be right back with your calls on SiriusXM. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is SiriusXM Progress. I'm John saying. Now it is time for me to, oh man, I'm so happy with this panel. I just, I just, uh, wow. Uh, Mona Shake is back with us. She is a very funny comic host and producer of Minority Reports. She's been featured in LA Times, Newsweek, The Guardian, LA Weekly, New York Post, Huffington Post, Washington Post, and BBC, all the posts. And every time I'm out here, I always go groveling to her to see if I can get her back on the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. As always, always nice to see you, John. Always, Thank you. Always, I, I, the weather changes when you come back. It just, uh, it's just yeah. better in the air. No, the last time I came here, uh, you had a goddamn hurricane. So I think it's true. That's what you are. You're uh, like a hurricane. We had a, hur- a hurricane. Hurricane with an, John. Hurricane with an earthquake in it. My God, you people multitask Sharknado. out here. Sharknado. You had a hurricane and an earthquake at the same time. Listen, that's how we roll. I was so pathetic. I was so. I was like, I know hurricanes. I grew up in hurricanes. I'm already. I, I and I taped up the windows and I, I I brought bottles of water and I had batteries and a flashlight. And then the hurricane totally skipped and never touched my neighborhood. And I'm like, oh my god, it, it flaked on me. It's the most LA hurricane ever. You know, it's uh, it's kind of like doing cocaine and marijuana at the same time. You know, it's just like just two in one. <laughs> yeah, nice little speedball. How how have you been? How's your fault reading you? Uh, uh, I'm good. Uh, you know, nothing going on in the world. Yeah, it's a good week for comedy, isn't it? It is an excellent week. I've been writing so many jokes. Um, yeah. Just usually crying, mostly just tears. Yeah. Uh, mostly just tears, just dropping on my uh, phone, iPhone. But uh, yeah, it's been rough, man. It's been heartbreaking. What is going on? Well, the worst part about it is how predictable it's all been, you know? Um, uh, and, yes. and what's going on is that a lot of evil people in a lot of parts of this world are very happy yep. because they think they can capitalize on chaos. What's going on is the people who claim to be defending the folks of Palestine don't give a rat's ass about the people of Palestine's safety. And the guy who's the prime minister of Israel has been enabling them for years because their corruption keeps him in power and his his corruption, well, he's hoping that fear will keep him in a job, even though the majority of citizens want him to leave now. Yep. It's just like putting ultra-conservative religious people in charge of your government always leads to the opposite of what those religions teach. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I think with everything that's happening, one one thing wonderful has been happening, at least in my life. I have my Israeli friends, my Jewish friends reaching out to me. Um, yeah. Just so much love. Yeah. So much support. Yeah. And I'm doing the same. I'm reaching out to my Jewish friends. I'm reaching out to my Israeli friends. And I'm like, what's going on? How can we get together? How can we send a message of love? How can we talk about, you know, something? And I I feel like in times of chaos and times like this, it's always the helpers you got to look out for. It's always. It's always those people, you know, people who sit in the middle, people who are not going to the extreme right or extreme left, but the peacemakers who are sitting in the middle and saying, how do we resolve this? How do we work through this together? Mm-hmm. Those are the people that I'm attracted to because too. I feel like I am one of those people. I am too. I'm so glad right. you're attracted to me. Um, it's, yeah, I, 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 I thought I already more. gave that vibe off. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm more desperate than the average uh, uh, nervous <laughs> Caucasian.
conversation. Let me bring into this uh, Tracy Pearson. Dr. Tracy is a legal analyst consultant you've seen on TV and radio and podcasts and Fast Company, New York Post and TV like Cheddar News and News Nation. And she usually classes up our show on Wednesdays, but she came in tonight uh, to help kick off the week. Welcome back, doctor. Well, thank you. It is wonderful to be here with you. Yeah, I I have been um, basically giving no Fs and holding people accountable on Twitter. I mean, like, I'm starting to look like a little mouse with my little fingers trying to, like, tweet really fast. And, and, and it's really frustrating for me because I think a lot of, not a lot, I'll say a good portion of this is we had a lot of people join our party from the other tent, yeah. um, that, that, that very um, racist, um, ethnocentrist tent. What, I mean, what do you mean? Which party, the, which the, tent? The, the, the Republicans. Okay. We had a lot of people come over. Come over to? To the left side. And the, the left side of what? <laughs> <laughs> we'll say the Democratic Party. Okay. We'll say that okay. big, big tent. Yes. Because we accept everybody. But what I've noticed is that people, at least there's a trend um, on my feed, that people who have joined us, um, they're very hawkish. Um, and, mm. and, you know, my understanding of my party is we don't support war. We, we don't discriminate against people. We support human beings. And I'm not seeing a lot of consistency with that. And, and it's, it's interesting because it's, it's, it's sort of cutting down sort of those lines for me where it's the people who were already in had tickets to our show, basically, to the Democratic Party, are, are lining up that way. And people who joined later... Um, are not. Give me an example of what you mean. Well, you know, there are people that are saying, I, I'm sick and tired of telling people I don't support Hamas. I really oh, yeah. am. I know, I, but I, you, you, you kind of have to 20 times. I have to tell people I don't support Hamas or the Netanyahu regime 20 times a day, and I'm comfortable with that because if that's what it takes to get some nuance into the conversation, I'll do it. Every tweet. Yep. Every freaking yeah. tweet. Um, but but I have to say that. And then and then people are, are accusing you of, of not being pro-Israel. Well, I'm not pro-Israel. I am pro-human being. So yep. I'm pro-Israeli. Yeah. I am pro um, Palestine, you know, a Palestinian. Um, I am pro-Jewish. I am pro-Muslim. I am pro all the peoples. But as far as the Israeli government, they can go suck toes. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm anti-fundamentalist, authoritarian douchebags. Agreed. And and it makes it really really simple for me. I mean, but like I've had I, I've had some comedian. I had one comedian who's done this show actually say, "I'm looking for you to tweet about Israel." I had another celebrity acquaintance of mine say hey i want you to retweet my whole thing about how i went to the uh the, the pro-palestine march and i'm i'm like wow people are imposing content on me <laughs> like but but what i began the show by saying what's been so distressing is this seems like the third really the third heartbreaking event to break up friendships in this century the first being the iraq war yeah yep the second being Donald Trump. Yeah. And the third is now this. I mean, I've seen people I love have very public, very avoidable fights on social media over this. And, and I'm watching friendships break up left and right. And I've been saying every day, criticizing Hamas doesn't mean you hate Palestine or Muslims. Criticizing Netanyahu doesn't mean you hate Jews or Israelis. Criticizing the Trump administration doesn't mean you hate racists. Okay? Yep. I mean, it just, you know, just going after the leadership, not the people. Shouldn't be that hard. I agree. And, you know, I, I make the example of, you know, I criticize Saudi Arabia. You have I, to. Have you to. have to, right? Does that make me anti-Muslim? Exactly. Does that make me Islamophobic? 
No, the hell it doesn't. Correct. You can criticize a government, which does not mean that you're criticizing the faith. Are the right wing people criticizing Joe Biden guilty of hating America? <laughs> and 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 when they say, oh, well, all Palestine, I say Hamas doesn't speak for all of Palestine. Well, they elected Hamas. And yes. it's like, well, number one, there was no alternative. Number two, uh, the Abbas regime did nothing. That's and right. number three, does Joe Biden speak for you or do you have leadership you don't agree with, my right wing friends? Yeah. 17 years ago, they, they did. And many of the people that are... I'll, that are that live in Gaza now somewhere um, are uh, they're very young. I mean, the average, the, is it 40, 44 and a half percent, 43 and a half percent are under the age of 14. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Half of the half of the population of Gaza is children. Is children. So, yeah, absolutely. It is. It is really frustrating um, because what happened at the very outset of this is that, in my from my perspective, is that the media seized onto Jewish as the problem, as as the religion, as the problem, as as what was being attacked. And I've said, and we were talking about before the show, that that if Christians were living on that land. Hamas would have taken them out. If it had been uh, Buddhists, if it had been Mormons, if it had been anybody, they would have taken them out because this is about land. And yeah. unfortunately, the mainstream media, and I'm pissed at you people, are not talking about history. They need to understand history. It doesn't justify conduct, but it does provide an explanation for you to understand what was happening. Yeah. And, 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 you know. And by I, the way, if they found oil under that land, we'd be invading. Oh, absolutely. Well, they did find gas, but, mm. but there's a whole lot of, of, you know, Israel is blocking them from being able to do things with that. There is also, you know, they talk about water and they talk about how, how you know, Hamas is, is preventing them from, from accessing water. Actually, no, Israel, um, you know, basically swerved the water access off in the other direction. Yeah. I mean, it's just the amount of disinformation. And what upsets me the most is that the three people who know the most about this this stuff, at least on MSNBC, are not hosting their shows. They're not hosting anything. Yep. It's. I mean, they're they're using Ali. Ali is is you know certainly getting a lot of airtime. But yeah, and Dean has been talking about this a lot. Dino Badala, whose yeah, show sure. precedes ours, Dean has been talking about how you know Mehdi Hassan often fills in, and uh, and so does Zayman, and neither one of them, for whatever reason, has been. And I've been actually pleased to see what a backlash there's been against MSNBC for that. Yes. Yep. I mean, I tweeted about it, and I just did a show for MSNBC earlier this year, and I was like, I am so disappointed in you. I am mm. so disappointed that you only have three Muslim anchors giving you another perspective, and you shut them down. CNN only has Fareed. They only have Fareed. That's right. Yeah. And wasn't who's, wasn't who's by the way, my favorite guy on all of CNN is Fareed. Yeah, Fareed is very articulate. Yeah. He's very articulate. Didn't Fareed have an interview? I forget who he had an interview with that they posted it, but then they took it down because they felt like it was like too pro-Palestinian. I oh. forget. Um, I'm not sure, but yeah. I will look into that. I mean, the ADL accused uh, Morning Joe or said on Morning Joe that that uh, that accused Hamas of writing their scripts for them. And then <sighs> what happened was Dan Abrams over on News Nation accused uh, and, and made all sorts of, of, of um, 
commentary negative about MSNBC and about those anchors. Oh, yeah. And then the next thing that happens is that those guys get ripped out of their shows. Behind the scenes, the producers for like Ali Velshi are saying, you know, can we talk about the context, the history? And there's fighting going on behind the scenes at MSNBC um, because they're saying there is no context. There is no history for killing babies. And and well. so, yeah. <laughs> what I keep getting from people is, you know, I'll come out and say, hey, it's not Islam. It's not Judaism. It is the fundamentalist wing of every religion. That's right. The more extreme right wing your religion is. That's right. It's its own religion. Extreme right wing religions are all the same. Women are always second class citizens. The more extreme right your religion is. LGBT, evil. Sex, that's not for procreation, bad. Other religions are inferior and violence is okay if my side does it. God gives me a pass. The more conservative your faith is, the more you will embody those five traits and have a penchant for victimhood. And what I get is... People say, well, Christians aren't like that. Christians aren't slaughtering people. <laughs> you don't worse. see it. And I'm like, well, there's the Crusades. Well, since the Crusades. Well, there was uh, ethnic cleansing of indigenous people. Since it, well, slavery. Well, since it, well, the plan. Well, since, <laughs> and I've got to remind people it was in this century that George W. Bush said God told him to invade Iraq. And the eve of the invasion, he said in his speech, God will not be neutral. Uh, God weighed in. He wasn't happy about what we did. Or maybe that was ISIS. Not sure. But it's like the more right wing your religion is, the more this bullshit happens and the moderate liberals, Christians, Muslims, and Jews, if you live in a city, you already know they're getting along right the fuck now and That's they're right. not making headlines for it. Everything about what, what the Israeli government is doing is not consistent with Judaism. Everything. I've heard this said before, but I don't have the guts to repeat it. But <laughs> I mean, David Hare in his play Via Dolorosa quotes people he interviewed in Israel who said, owning land isn't Jewish. Yes. Do you want to unpack that for us? Because I'm not going to. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, I can get canceled from other means. Okay, yeah. sure. I mean, you got my back, right? Um, so, yeah, uh, it, it basically what it comes down to is that, uh, first of all, in Deuteronomy, they talk about how vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Correct. So it is not for you to punish the stone thrower. And so it is God's decision to do that. And so Correct. that person is a messenger for God. Mm-hmm. Um, the land is promised by God. It's supposed to happen by miraculous means. Um, and so there are about 26 sects of, of the Jewish faith that do not uh, buy into Zionism. Yes. And um, that that this land, it, it's nice that there's there's a, a, a state called um, is, you know, it's very nice. It's very nice. Um, but but it is it is secular and it is not. Uh, they don't see it as as uh, legitimate um, and as a Jewish state because it, it cannot be both democratic and Jewish at the same time because it has to be majority Jewish uh, voting, um, according to these some of these scholars. And in order for it to be that, it can't be democratic because other people live there. Right. And so um, there's you know there's all sorts of things. There's things about how the kibbutz uh, movement started. So these settlements that cropped up um, and that they were socialist and Marxist. Yeah. And and that they had, um, you know, uh, that, that there was no ownership of anything, that the children lived in children's houses. Parents saw them a few hours a day. You wouldn't describe the Israeli government as a theocracy, though, would you? Uh, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I, they are they are nothing more than a secular state who is interested in, in land grabs and getting more land. And, well, and, they have a few more interests beyond that. Well, OK, but but, but primarily right <laughs> protecting, now. Protecting the world's most oppressed people in history after a Holocaust, you know, I mean, 
that that's that's why the land was given. The problem was there were other people living there, and I thought it was amazing this all broke on Indigenous Peoples Day because you can make the arguments that both Israelis and Palestinians are the indigenous people to this same piece of land. Yes, um, I had a fun argument with somebody about what Palestine meant. Mm-hmm. Um, that that they said, well, you understand it means Jew, and I said, no, actually, it doesn't. It, it's a it comes from Phileas, from Philistine, and that's a Greek word. It it, it means it, it basically they it, it's a group of sea people that what they called sea people that immigrated from Crete that um, ended up getting wiped out. Oh. but they were at consistent uh, at consistent war with the Israelites, and what happened was um, they got wiped out, and um, then in in Roman times, that's when Palestine uh, was sort of re-upped, that word found a resurgence again. Jesus is Palestinian. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't look like Bon Jovi. No. No. Yeah. no. Then, and then they call him, what is it, Jesus of uh, Galilee? Mm-hmm. Isn't, isn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah exactly. Jesus was from this region. Yeah. And this is, you know, again, it's like... He was a hippie. Well, he, he, he was a radical reformer. Yeah. Um, he was very, very conservative in some ways and extremely liberal in other ways. The liberal side is what got him killed because people forget it was the Pharisees, the conservative religious bosses of his day that knocked him off. But as I keep saying all the time, Christians, Muslim Jews, if you believe what your holy book says, then if God or Allah or Jehovah wanted somebody dead, yeah. he'd smite them himself. God ain't doing no smiting. So I think he means for us to work our shit out nonviolently. And I think what Palestine does, I mean, what Hamas does, erodes sympathy for Palestine. Yeah. And what Netanyahu is doing will erode sympathy for Israel. I it's mean, just so much tragedy. You know, I was uh, I was telling Tracy um, before is that um, you know there, there was uh, just a few months ago they came out and said that you know a- aliens are here. There's all these sighting about aliens and uh, yeah. and I was just like right. And and they won't talk to us. You know why? Because they're waiting for us to kill each other off so they can take our resources and have a party I mean, on this Earth. year is so fucked up. The government and the military came out and said, yep, aliens are real and we have their ships and their bodies. And no one cared. That's how fucked up 2023 is. Right. Because, you know, an alien, listen, you think there aren't alive aliens? They're, they're just chilling. Oh, they're they're chilling. waiting for us to kill each other or, or off. They're, or they're interdimensional or they're time traveler. We don't know what sure. they are. But you know my wife's theory on that? What? Why the government came out and said it? Yeah. Uh, she turns to me and she goes, what if they're doing this now because they know that Donald Trump is selling this information in those boxes he brought, and that's why the White House is trying to get ahead of it? Huh. And I'm like, knock it off. That's ridiculous. And then all night I'm staring at the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, that's a good take. Right? Yeah, no. I mean, what else happened this week? Uh, Putin had, had a conversation with Netanyahu. Putin is, is, is trying to protect the civilians of Gaza. Uh, um, Zelensky wanted to come visit Israel, uh, Netanyahu denied him the yeah. opportunity to do that. Everything well, is upside much you, down and backwards. How much you want to bet that Putin arranged that as well? Because Ugh. Putin wants this to distract from his genocide of, and Putin's loyal winged monkeys in our Congress are doing everything they can because they only serve authoritarians, whether it's Bush invading a smaller country or Putin invading a smaller country. Weak Republican men always go with the side of the the, the autocrats. Uh, we got to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to I want to take some calls from the listeners. I also want to talk about how Donald Trump is not happy with his gag order. Mm. <laughs> he thought a gag order is when you pay the extra, the escort <laughs> extra to make it a little rough. That's what a broad gag order is. And uh, of course, um, the chaos in the Speaker of the House race. We'll be right back with your calls at eight six six nine nine seven grit. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tomorrow I'll be appearing on KPFK here in New York, and later this week I'll be on Stephanie Miller, Dino Badala. I'll be on Tom Hartman. We're just advertising this big show over the weekend. Uh, You can get it on pay-per-view. It's going to be a riot. Malcolm Nance has just joined the cast. Really quick, Richie in L.A., you're on with Mona and Dr. Tracy. Hey, Richie. Hi, John. Hi, everybody. Oh, I got my tickets to Sexy Liberal, too. I'm just trying to figure out how to... I couldn't get the VIP upgrade, but... Oh, no. Okay. um, But um, what I was going to say is that you you can't hate or you can't resent... I'm sorry, resenting Netanyahu because he was the one, like you said, he supported them. He, he did. He egged them on. He's a little bit like Michael Vick who left, Vick who left the kennel unlocked. <laughs> Except Michael Vick tried to redeem himself and uh, apologized and That's spent right. many years trying to come back. But yeah, and again, we yeah. don't know that in America, but they know that in Israel. People have had it with that bullshit. Yeah. That's, okay. All right. That's All right. That's all I wanted to say. I couldn't. I had a hard time making my point because I was telling her how disingenuous I thought Israel was being saying that, oh, we don't know what children we might be killing. We don't know. We're just dropping these bombs because we have to protect ourselves. Why could you not make that point? You know what? Because I think she went to the next call. (laughs) Oh, well, Well, let me do that now. Thank you very much, Richie. (laughs) Mona, how do our listeners follow you and keep up with all your many doings? My many doings. Uh, well, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter or X at Mona's Comedy. I am back on um, TikTok. You are. After much hiatus and much uh, soul searching. I just started posting on TikTok. Oh, yeah. I um, I was on TikTok. Then I got banned on TikTok. Oh. Yeah. How'd you get banned? I've had a lot of my videos taken down. Yeah. I, I got banned on TikTok. So I had three of my videos go viral on TikTok. Uh-huh. And uh, last year, I was uh, flying through Saudi Arabia. Don't do like that. Like you do. Like abnormal people like me do. And uh, I made... So when we were coming back, I saw two separate entrances to board the same plane, one for women and one for men. And I brought my phone out and I was like, this makes no sense. Why would you have two separate entrances to board the same flight? Men and women are going to sit next to each other. That's all I said. That video went viral on TikTok. Good for you. Right? Tons of views. People are like, absolutely, that makes no sense. Counter narratives. Next thing you know, I wake up, banned. 
that were like, your account is banned. Why? You cannot. They wouldn't give me an excuse. They wouldn't say anything. That vi- uh, that video had close they, to a racist. million views, a uh, quarter of a million likes, wow. and they wouldn't uh, they they wouldn't tell me. Well, and, I'm ashamed of uh, of of TikTok. This is going to ruin my whole opinion of Chinese malware. Oh my god! I mean, I had very high opinion. But you got back on, though. They let you back. Yeah, they let me back. But you know, wow. it's only a matter of time till I probably post something that they're not going to like, they and they're going to ban me again. So many of my videos, and I can never predict what what it's going to be. I bend over do, backwards. Do they justify it to you? Do they tell they you? Just why they just say I violated their terms, and I say I appealed this. What did I violate? No one ever writes back. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. exactly what their tactic is. Dicks. Yeah, they're dicks. Yeah, just like the Chinese regime. Let's talk about them. Uh, Dr. Tracy, how do we follow you and are you on TikTok? I am on TikTok. I am on every social media platform at Tracy Explains. I have a Substack, Dr. Tracy Explains. I have a website, tracyexplains.com. There's a theme. Howard in Manhattan, you stayed up late. I can give you about uh, maybe 45 seconds to make your point. Thank you for waiting. Ouch. I just turned 80. I want to write a book about some of the things we talked about having to do with Albert Einstein's philosophy of life which is logic gets you from A to B, imagination gets you everywhere. My success was because I had an imagination and it could create new products in almost any bank in the world. And the names I didn't give you, the people that cannot invent new products to steal customers from banks. Yeah. It's uh, George Bush, the, the, the father, Colin Powell, yeah. the president of... Uh, Samsung and the founder yeah. of Hyundai Motors. This is so that's what I've been talking about all night. <laughs> yeah. You turned 80, Howard? Happy birthday. And thank you for keeping it on message with the rest of the show. Have a great evening, and I appreciate you. Thank you, Russ. Thank you, Thea. Thank you, Guess. And thank you, Chris. We'll see you tomorrow on Progress.